Alicia Ramsdale. And if you remember, we had her with us a few short months ago on today's medical sales leader. But when you've got Alicia with you and she's willing to come back and talk even more about her expertise, you definitely take that opportunity. So welcome back to another episode of today's medical sales leader. I am so excited to have you with us again. Thank you so much, Alicia. Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to be back and I'm glad to double down. <laughs> awesome. So if, if, uh, if you didn't have a chance to catch the last episode, let me tell you a little bit about Alicia Ramsdale. She's the founder and CEO of Mindful Career Path, which is a platform that's dedicated to helping people find career fulfillment when they apply mindfulness to their professional lives. So she is a certified career services provider, a global career development facilitator, and holds a certificate in both mindfulness-based stress reduction techniques, which I think we're going to talk a little bit about today and organizational mindfulness. So a lot of uh, things that'll be extremely helpful, whether you are a sole contributor or you are leading a team right now. She's a TEDx speaker. So if you have a chance, go back and watch her TEDx talk, which I think Alicia dropped in March, didn't it? It did. Yes. It's so good, you guys. And she's an expert in career development and mindfulness. And recently she published her first children's book, uh, the one and only incredible me, which is inspired by her own two children. And it's a book about self-love and self-care and self-acceptance, encouraging children to embrace their uniqueness. So we're thrilled to have her back on the show today to talk a little bit more about mindfulness, because I don't know about you, but when it comes to the way that the market is today with the new resurgence of layoffs, it's just it, the hits keep coming and the healthcare market and the medical sales market are definitely not immune to those hits. So I'm really excited to talk with you today because there have been a lot of questions coming from my clients and, and job seekers I see, especially on LinkedIn about not just job search techniques, but what are some really practical pro, um, positive ways that we can deal with this kind of situation when it comes to mindfulness. So um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that this is a new, um, do you think that this is more prevalent to people now because of the market and because of these layoffs? Or do you think it's something that people have struggled with, you know, all their life and career long? 100%. I think that people have struggled with this uh, at any point in their lives at any generation, right? Whether that's our grandparents' generation, today's generation, or our kids' future generations, or our future lives, everyone is bound to deal with stressful situations, uncertainty, challenges as they are in, in their own world. And just to kind of take a step back, mindfulness for everybody that most likely has heard of it before, but again, it's just being present, being fully engaged in the current moment, but the difference is you want to do that non-judgmentally, right? Without distraction. We live through a world of a lot of distraction, a lot of negativity, perhaps just because that's where our brain focuses, unfortunately. But there's even a term called the, it's relatively new, the VUCA world, V-U-C-A. And so that stands for uh, volatile, 
uncertainty, complex, um, and ambiguity, right? And that's just understanding that that's the world we live in. It's fast paced. Uh, we're getting a lot of information thrown at us. And I think that's only going to progress, you know, as our generation goes along and future generations are added in. So unfortunately, it's a part of our world. But at the same time, fortunately, we have things like mindfulness and mindfulness-based stress reduction techniques that we can implement into our lives and, and um, not just manage stress, but leverage the stress and power through it. I love it. I think that, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, even mindfulness was still this sort of elusive woo woo buzzword. But <laughs> now, thankfully, I'm seeing more and more specific coaches that touch on different pieces of mindfulness. So whether it's, um, and it seems to be even more prevalent in, in my, from my perspective, because of COVID and that year where we all had to take a step back from what we were doing professionally and personally and carry forward. But then the lines seem to be blurred a bit you know, now we're working from home. So the personals and the professional worlds are colliding and our children are there with us and we're still expected to be productive and to lead great teams and to get results. But I think we all found that if we didn't take care of our own selves and our minds, that things were falling off the rails. At least I know that it was tough to keep the wheels on the bus at my house. So, um, I'm so grateful that this is coming to the forefront, but I still feel that there is a mystery about certain practices that we can put into place and things that we can do. So can you talk a little bit about maybe, um, a couple of typical exercises you would recommend or, um, or maybe even how to know when it's time to start putting some mindful practice, mindfulness practices into place. Sure. And just to hit on what you just said, there are common misconceptions around mindfulness. Some people think it's a religious activity. Some people think they need to have a significant amount of time uh, to complete it. As an example, there is a book I read, I have it with me today. It's called um, Peak Minds. Yeah, And it's written by, and I'm, I'm sorry if I butchered the name, but Dr. Amishi Ja, uh -huh. and it goes through a research-based approach to, you really only need for it to be effective, 12 minutes a day, and 12 minutes a day to do a mindfulness-based practice, and everybody has 12 minutes a day even the busiest of the busiest, right? We all have 12 minutes a day. And her research was based on the MBSR, so Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program, mm -hmm. but created by John Kabat-Zinn. And that's the training program that I went through. And she talked about how she went into fields that were high stress and needed to make decisions quickly, urgent decisions quickly, for hers, it was she went into the industry of uh, the military world and she tried to see what was the most effective with the least amount of time that you could go through mindfulness training. Now, the book goes into greater detail. It's an excellent read, but she determined that 12 minutes, in, in addition to her scientific back research, 12 minutes a day was what you needed. And the strategies that she uses relates to body scan meditation. So as an example... Every morning when I wake up, I go into a certain room that I always go into for mindfulness training. 
for me, it's a mental headspace that I said, you know what, I know here and now this is where I'm doing my mindfulness-based training. So body scan meditation, as an example, is you're closing your eyes and you're kind of going through your body and each body, you're just or body part, I guess. So your head, yeah. your arms, your hands, your feet, so forth. You're saying, what are the senses I'm feeling right now in that specific moment? And I know that might sound easy or simple or how does that really help? But when you're focusing on those present moments, on those senses, you can't be distracted by anything else, right? You can't be thinking about, oh, what am I going to do when I first get into work? Or what about that email that came in late last night that I need to respond to? So again, it's being non-judgmental to whatever senses that you're experiencing within that present moment. So that's just one idea about what you could do daily from a mindfulness-based stress reduction point as an individual. Mm-hmm. And we can get into you know how organizations could implement that, but that's that's one example. So I'll stop there and you know feel free to ask questions as as I go. Yeah. So um, so tell me a little bit more. You know, before the show, um, we were talking a little bit about John Kabat-Zinn. So can you share a couple of those things that he has brought to light that have made an impact on your mindfulness work? Sure. So he created what's called the nine attitudes of mindfulness, right? And there's non-judging patience, beginner's mind, trust, non-striving, acceptance, letting go, gratitude, and generosity. Now, with all of those words, it's just a little cue as to how you can focus in on the present moment without letting, you know, the digital addiction that we have, the the hyper-focus on all these decisions that we have to make, the information overload. So non-judging. Typically when we're involved in a conversation, somebody saying to some someone saying something to us and it hits us a certain way. And we start, while that person's still talking, we start judging what they're saying, how they're saying it. We're thinking about what they're thinking about, right? Instead of just letting the information come through, accepting the information. Um, patience is what you would think of, you know, being patient with the process. So whether you're a sales professional and you need to be patient with the process of, you know, from the getting the pitch or getting the uh, conversation started to delivering the pitch uh, to the whole process and the negotiation that goes beyond that. Then there's beginner's mind and beginner's mind is my favorite. And the reason is because it's all about having a fresh perspective, especially, I think, as you get older and become more experienced in your role and the higher up you go in your role, you tend to fall back on this, oh, I've done this for so long, I know how this goes. But beginner's mind allows you to come into a conversation, come into a meeting, come into a session with your team and say, whatever people suggest, You know, I'm going to welcome new ideas as if it's the first time, not just new ideas, even old ideas, as if it's the first time I'm ever hearing about it. And so that's why I like beginner's mind, because sometimes we do, all of us naturally get into this rut of, I know how this works. Mm -hmm. But if we could take the time to step back and say, let's look at this from a new perspective, like I'm a a little kid again, and I've never heard this before, right? The other one is trust. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I, I think that beginner's mind is one of my favorites as well. And um, it reminds me of a conversation I was having with a, a, 
a gal the other day who was looking to get into medical sales and she had found herself for one reason or another, um, taking care of a family member and then getting into retail. And she really had the heart to get back into healthcare. And so one of the things that we used to help position her was that idea that you're sharing, which is the beginner's mind, because she was concerned that her lack of linear experience in the field would work against her. But I would argue, and I know many companies who are hiring now are looking for that beginner's mind of someone who can come in with fresh eyes and do exactly what you're saying. And so we ended up using that in her positioning and she got an exceptional job. Um, and the, the keynote for her was that she has these insights from other places, but also she could come in with those fresh eyes with that beginner's mind and help them to build from the ground up. And it worked great. Yeah, that, I mean, and that's an excellent story. And I think with that as well, if you're a leader accepting that person onto your team, I think it builds resiliency for yourself and for the teammates around you to say, we're open to new ideas. And although it might be challenging to implement those new ideas, hearing them and being open to them um, provides, like I said, resiliency going forward. That's an art, isn't it? It Just being able to (laughs) to go there and say, okay, I know I'm the leader of the troops here, but I need to be open to letting the ideas flow up and down. Yes. And there is, I want to say it's Amazon and I could be wrong. So I apologize if I am, but it's one of those very well-known companies. And I want to say it's Amazon and is it Amazon? I think it is, but they, there's a policy. Yeah. We're going to after the show. So I apologize (laughs) if I'm wrong, but there's a big company and it's, there's a policy that you can't say no to new ideas or new, you know, new concepts. Sure. And if you can, the only way you can, you have to write uh, let's call it a one-page paper on why you think it's not the right time or not the right idea at that moment. And then you have to then present that, right? So it prevents people from just automatic no, right? That automatic, it's not going to work. It's never been done. We can't do that. Oh, I love that. I want to find out who that is. Yeah, I I know. If you work for Amazon, (laughs) (laughs) email us after the show. We want to know if it's you. Brilliant. Yes. Anyway, so then you have trust. And again, that's similar to being patient. It's just trusting yourself, trusting the process in in your life, in your career and so forth. And then the other thing that I think is kind of funny, and it almost sounds counterintuitive to the way this world works and like the hustle culture, right, is non-striving. And really, that's just letting go of this constant need or constant desire for more, right? We, it's It's as if we're never just stopping to take a moment to say, I like where I'm at right now. I'm comfortable where I'm at right now. And it's not to say you don't have goals and long-term goals, but I feel like we're always in this zone of, we need more, we need more, we need more. And we're not, again, appreciating the process. Yeah. The next one is, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I think that last, um, the last five years, one of the biggest changes that I saw to content on LinkedIn, and you know, we're on LinkedIn all the time, especially marketing, but um, was celebrate the small wins, the small wins, everyone celebrate the small wins. And I sort of feel like that's in parallel to what you're talking about, because it sort of, it forces you to sit down and and analyze where you are now in respect to where you were then and to appreciate something. It could be just getting up and doing it again. 
you know? Yeah. So, um, I really, li- I like that one. I think it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I just think it's counter, counter counterintuitive to everything that we hear nowadays about the hustle culture. So I'm glad it's, it's out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the other one was acceptance, right? Like what you would think, right? Accepting things as, as they are and feeling that, hey, we can let go of this. We don't have to be resistant to, to you know, what's happening. It is happening. Um, and then we can pivot from there, right? So the last one is, let, or not last one, one of those that's related to it is letting go. So again, there's always this feeling of we're attached to an idea, we're attached to a career, we're, we're attached to how something is supposed to go, the process of sales, the process of this, letting go to any of those attachments. And that to me is a big one. And the reason I think about it being a big one is if you think about how we breathe. So when we breathe in, every time we have to breathe out. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, if we didn't breathe out, uh, we wouldn't be living. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the same thing with stress. If we're always taking stress in and we just hold it there and we never let it go, Mm-hmm. The style of our lives, um, how we live, it's just unimaginable compared to if you let things go and you can actually release it and then move on in a positive direction. It's just that much better. So I really I really like the two together, the acceptance and the letting go, which mm-hmm. is a struggle for the most most of us. Right. I think that letting things go sometimes, especially in our careers, especially in the process so this is not what I anticipated or not how I anticipated this would go, letting it go and set for a new, maybe a pivot, but a new positive direction. Ooh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? I'll tell you what, I feel like there's nothing like, you know, we were talking about layoffs in the beginning, but there's nothing quite like being let go to be forced to let go because absolutely. many people who I've worked with, who have gone through layoffs as I have. What's interesting to me is that almost all of them after a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. will tell me, you know what, Claire, I'm actually glad it happened because I had really been needing a shakeup in my life, or I had been meaning to leave for a long time, but I just hadn't got around to it or so on and so forth. You know, that I didn't appreciate the culture anymore. It's not what I believed in. I was getting bored, all of those things. And um, I think, it, do you feel like it's so difficult to let go of who we are in our career because we almost define ourselves as our career for such a long time? I mean, goodness, we're there 75% of our lives. A hundred percent. You're so invested in this identity that you almost feel guilty leaving it moving forward. So I 100% agree with you personally, but I I experienced that, but I think that's a common theme, right? I went to school for this, or I've been in this industry for so long, or I've been in this style of a role for so long. How could I possibly pivot? And there's almost like, like you feel a sense of guilt, or at least I felt a sense of guilt leaving a certain identity within my career. And I, it's unfortunate that we experience it. You could, everyone can relate. I feel like you can see why, because is that the years of experience or the time that you invested, the energy, maybe financially what you invested. Um, mm. But, but I, especially with the layoffs, like you're saying, I've heard the same thing. 
that after a certain amount of time, you know, to digest the information and to experience the emotions, when people typically have moved on to that next career role, they've said it was actually a good thing, right? A blessing in disguise. Yep. Blessing in disguise. Hopefully that happens for most. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, can you tell us a little bit about your story? So tell us about that pivot. So where you were before and then the unexpected change. Sure. So I was in, so my, by education, my background was accounting and taxation from uh, undergraduate degree as well as a master's degree. And I started in public accounting. I continued on for 15 years or 15 plus years in the accounting tax industry. And people might say, wow, that's crazy. You, I, Cause I knew almost right away that I really wasn't for me, but I was able to work for an organization that I stayed there for 11 years. That was for the most part, wonderful, right? I had some really incredible leaders. I really enjoyed the work that I was, not the work necessarily, but I really enjoyed the people that I was working with, Sure. right? And that's why I believe I stayed so long. In addition to financial stability, job security, I mean, what's more secure than accounting and, and tax? <laughs> so people um, like me so I, desperately need people like you. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I enjoyed that. But there was a point where I, I left my role. I, you know, I had some little kids. So I, I moved to another role that was closer to home and everything kind of seemed perfect on paper, mm-hmm. but it was high stress right? It was 24 seven. And even though it was supposed to be like a part-time role, I felt that my mind was on it full time. And it was very stressful. And it was at that transition in my life that I started to get, I started to feel an overwhelming amount of stress. I Mm. play soccer for fun. And I was playing in a, and, and I call it the old lady league of soccer. And I was at a game. And usually when I played in these games, I was carefree. I was, you know, just doing my thing. And I remember being on a soccer field one night and just, I couldn't stop these overwhelming negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I said, this isn't right. And I had experienced stress, obviously in my past, but I was able to move through it somehow, right? With no set agenda, but this time I couldn't just move through it. So I started exploring and having conversations with various people. And one book that somebody recommended that I read is called Strength and Stillness mm-hmm. by Barb Roth. And that book is the introduction for me to transcendental meditation. And it's, ma- it's mantra style meditation. And what I was doing was 20 minutes at the beginning of the day, 20 minutes of, at the end of the day of this mantra meditation. And this book goes through all of these, I think we like to read about famous people, but all of these famous people that implemented transcendental meditation. I think Seinfeld was one of them and and, and many others. And so that was my start in meditation. And from there, I started the MBSR training course with Mm -hmm. John Kabat-Zinn. And then just recently, I finished the organizational mindfulness class, which is, if you think about it, a spinoff of the MBSR training course. So, but more focused on the workplace and so forth. So when that all happened, I was still in corporate America. I ended up going back to my old company and I started to self-reflect and say, why am I here? What do I want out of this? Is this the inspiration I want to give to my kids and kind of leave with this world, you know, years and years from now when I'm well and gone. And I said, no, 
but what is it that I want to do? And that's when career development came up and fast forward, I started Mindful Career Path. And I want to expose clients to these ideas of how mindfulness training within our careers is fundamental at this point of not just managing stress or figuring out how to deal with it, but leveraging that inevitable stress that's going to come along the way. Oh, that's so powerful. We talk a lot about how being prepared before it's necessary is the way to be successful in life, whether it's your career, your family, your, your home life, your, whatever you're doing. And I'm so inspired by what you're doing because you're giving people the tools to navigate whatever they need to productively. And so that we don't get caught on the end of that spiral of stress. Like you were at your soccer game. And, um, so, you know, we, I personally think about meditation, transcendental meditation, yoga, um, mindfulness as a personal practice, but can, I know you're doing it for organizations now too. So can you talk a little bit about how some of these things are applied at an organizational level and what are some of the benefits that people see when they do this? Sure. So there's a couple of ways that organizations could implement uh, mindfulness-based strategies, right? You can actually conduct a mindfulness workshop and training session for employees because some people, you know, they might not really understand kind of how, how is this going to help them in their role? How is this going to help the overall organization, you know, from a profitability standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of organizations are for profit and people might not see the connection. So just Mm -hmm. running a training, running a basic training of what it is and how it can be effective, right? And how it can be incorporated into your daily routines. As an example, if you're a sales professional or somebody that typically leads presentations, right? There's the 54321 technique, which is something I use often when I go into a presentation. And what it is, is you say, you know, in your head or out loud, but five things that uh, you can uh, see and say them out loud. Then you say four things that you can touch, three things that you can hear, two things that you can smell, and one thing that you can taste. And what this does, this technique does, is it grounds you in the present moment. When you're, you know, looking at the five things, touching the four things, hearing the three things, and so forth, you can't possibly be thinking about what you were worried about before or what you're worrying about in the future. So it grounds you in the present moment to then move forward into that sales pitch, move forward into that presentation. And that, and that's just, that's just one example, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's things that an organization could help train based on the industry that they're in, based on the type of work that you're in. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I think naturally (laughs) people are, you know, love a good challenge, or sometimes we can be competitive. So you can develop a a mindfulness uh, challenge program, you know, for your employees, everybody practices certain mindfulness exercises, and and they track their progress, you can incentivize it and give away prizes and and so forth. But if you make it more about fun, rather than just, we're going to sit down for 20 minutes and be really quiet and still, you know, (laughs) some people that might not sound enticing, but if you put a competitive edge to it, uh, the people that might not be into it uh, would be. 
And being that this thing, is a medical sales yeah. podcast, they're deaf. We're we're in for competition. In. So give give me a game plan and I will crush it. I love it. Yeah. I'm always exactly. taking tons of notes when you're on the show, by the way. I just realized I'm looking down because I've got already three pages of notes, in my notebook. Okay. I love Good. that, making it fun. That's a great idea. Yeah. And then the other thing is if if you think about the people that want to do it, but they're a little bit shy about how do I practice mindfulness exercises is yeah. creating a space within, and now it's funny because not, not everyone's back in the office, but let's say you're back in the office, create, designating a quiet space in the office, you know, for people to practice mindfulness exercises. Um, maybe they offer, you know, you know, headphones and guided meditation sessions uh, that you can use while you're in the office. Have that dedicated space so people can walk in there and be surrounded with, you know, like-minded individuals who also want to practice mindfulness exercises and maybe they can have conversations within there like oh what do you what exercise have you been doing what's been working for you and really promote the excitement for it and then the other yeah. thing that i think about is hosting you know weekly meditation sessions you could do that and having an open line of communication right mm -hmm. so if if it always starts at least my perspective and that might be uh, it might not everyone might not share the same perspective, but my perspective is it always starts you know top down. So if if leaders are saying that hey we hey we have an open lines of communication to talk about work on you first right your mental health your stress levels if you need uh, you know that mental break where we want to have everyone take you know whatever whatever it is every twenty five minutes just take a break from what you're doing you know walk around have a five minute break and then come back to your work re-engaged. Mm -hmm. um, there's the whole Pomodoro technique where you work for 25 minutes, break for five, do that four times, and then take a longer break for 15. Mm -hmm. But when you are present and you mentally aware of where you are, what you're doing and why you're doing it and free from distraction, you're able to be obviously more focused, but more productive and build resiliency within your long-term goals in your career. I love that. It's, it's the intentionality of it, isn't it? Like making it something routine, expected, setting the stage. Uh, it, it reminded me of a, um, a breathing technique that I was looking at probably six months ago. And this gentleman was this incredible breathing technique trainer. And he was saying, now, listen, only do this. Well, I'll get to that part in a minute. So he shows this breathing <laughs> technique and essentially you're holding it for a few seconds and then you're yeah. letting it out for a few seconds in a certain way. And so I'm trying this. Also, I'm driving, <laughs> <laughs> which I realize, Alicia, is not yeah. the place. So when you're no. talking about how to set these stages, right? Um, a lot of medical salespeople are in the car all the time. I caution you against maybe <laughs> the deeper breathing techniques and things in yeah. the car, but there are so many other places. Like if you're in a case, if you're in that OR, you know how long it is between, you know, when they're opening and they're using your product and, you know, you're kind of working the room, but there are downtimes. So taking yes. those downtimes, that could be a really great place to say, okay, I've got those 12 minutes. Right? right. I've got six minutes here. I've got six minutes while I'm waiting outside at the scrub sink. Um, yeah. maybe before and after you have a call with a manager, maybe before and after you go into an office and you're sitting in that waiting room and 
hopefully networking on LinkedIn or looking at (laughs) some of the magazines to chat up the front desk. But um, there are plenty of times when we can set intentional uh, routines for ourselves. So, um, so if somebody wanted to start this, if say someone's never meditated at all, mindfulness Mm -hmm. is new to them. Now we've kind of debunked that it's not this scary foo-foo thing. It's, it's really incredible thing to do. Um, how should they start? Where would you say some, a newbie would dip their toe in? Sure. So there's, we were just talking about, you could do this anywhere daily and maybe not driving a car with a deep breathing, but, (laughs) but even just, if you, if you were going to take a walk, whether you work from home and you're walking around your neighborhood or you, you work in the office and you're just walking from one floor to the next mindful walking, feel Mm -hmm. your heel and your toe touch every time you walk, right? Just concentrating on that sensation. If you just want to start there, that's one spot. If while you're eating, let's just say you're eating by yourself and not having a conversation with someone else, but if you're eating alone, mindfully eating. So mm-hmm. every chew, every bite, and sometimes we'll just wolf down our food because we got to go to the next meeting or the next thing, right? Yeah. But sensing, we did this during actually the MBSR program. We took like what they asked us to get like a little snack and I had like an M&M and it was like, it was like a five minute process with one M&M, but wow. it was like, you know, what does it taste like? What is, what is it? How does it feel in your mouth? What, you know? So again, it sounds silly when I say it out loud, but it really works. Cause you're like, wow, I've never tasted an M&M like this before. Here, here's the question. Here's the question. Did it melt in your hand in those five minutes? <laughs> Although yes, it did actually. Oh, <laughs> I, was holding no. it. I, was like, I need to put it. Yeah. Um, but so, so, so that's, that's the start of it, but the, the peak mind book is great. And you know, some people are like, oh, I don't have a lot of time. It's, it is a thick book, but this mm-hmm. book is great. And the, what I love about it is even if you don't read the whole book to start because you're busy, um, there is a breakdown of week one, week two, week three, you know, day one through day seven. And it goes into, I know you guys can't see that, but it goes into, here's the core practice that you're going to do, you know, find your flashlight for 12 minutes. And it even tells you what page to go to, to learn more about what's the find your flashlight. So Mm -hmm. let's just dive into that for a second. Sure. If you're, if you're a newbie and you say, all right, Alicia, I have five minutes in the morning. That's all I can dedicate. Fine. Mm -hmm. What you can do is you can, let's say you're, you're lying down or you're seated in a comfortable position. I want you just to be present with your thoughts or sorry, focus on your breath. And when your thoughts take over and you start thinking, oh, I have to respond to that email. Okay. Pay attention to that for a second. You're aware that you're now distracted and thinking about your email. Bring that flashlight back to your breath. So imagine a flashlight and where that light is focused on, bring the flashlight back to your breath. And then every time your mind waters, again, bring that flashlight back to focusing in on your breath. That light should be focused in on your breath. That way, yes, you're going to be distracted. Don't judge yourself for that. That's okay. Accept the fact that you have things going on in your life right now and your mind might be taken to those places. Acknowledge it and then bring that flashlight back. So that could just be a five-minute practice. What Dr. Amishi Jha discusses is to be effective, 12 minutes is the ideal Mm -hmm. to get to from a minimum perspective. 
And then of course you can build on that. As an example, the MBSR training course, we were practicing 45 minutes daily, right? Wow. So every morning when I would wake up, it was 45 minutes daily of body scan meditation. It was, you know, sitting meditation, walking meditation, and so forth. So it really just depends. But if you're a newbie and you just have whatever it is you have, five minutes, start with the find your flashlight exercise and focus on your breath. And every time that thought comes up, acknowledge it, accept it, and then bring that flashlight back. Oh my gosh, this is powerful stuff. I feel like this, I mean, we've been chatting for what, 40 minutes, and this is sort of a mini masterclass on things you can try right now, maybe not driving, but with yourself. (laughs) and your team. So, um, so, uh, to, to kind of bring it full circle, Alicia, can you tell us, you know, when you've guided people into mindfulness teams, into mindfulness and these different practices, what are some of the things that you're seeing them discover or benefits that they're getting on the other side of this, these things? Sure. So one of the things that I've realized is that our attention is what's being taken away from us as individuals, right? Whether that's in our careers or in our lives in general. Again, we mentioned before, digital addiction, uh, workplace distractions, you know, uh, d- decision fatigue. We're, our attention is the scarce resource nowadays. Mm-hmm. And so one of the exercises that I learned recently and then I've been, you know, talking with my clients about is this idea of STOP the acronym. So S stands for stop. Whatever you're doing, if you're feeling stressed, right, just stop. S stands for stop, whatever you're doing and pause. T stands for take some deep breaths, center yourself in the present moment. You know, it is what it is. It's happening. Center yourself in the present moment. O is observe your environment without judgment. So wherever you're feeling stressed, as long as you're not in harm's way, but wherever you are feeling stressed, observe what's happening, right? Whether it's, you know, workplace issues or whatnot, but observe what's happening. And then P is proceed, or I like to say pivot in a positive direction. Because sometimes we we ruminate on, on, on what it is that's happening. And then we go down this rabbit hole of this is happening because of this. And now, it, you know, my career is going down the tubes. When all it was, was the person on the other end was just having a bad day and it really meant nothing. So I'm just using it as a simple example, but I see when I'm working with clients that it's our attention and what we focus on is what we become. Mm -hmm. So if instead of allowing our attention to focus on all of the negative and we're able to just stop and refocus or pivot into the positive, whatever's going on that's well during that given time. That's what benefits most individuals that I work with is just retraining where your attention is and and building from that. And again, just changing that pattern, just changing where we focus our attention uh, can go a long way. And that's, that's, I would say, the majority of what happens uh, when I work with clients and how they're able to uh, to move away from this, this negative mindset. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is going to open up so many doors because when we are in 
the medical selling situation, for example, right? We're getting input from physicians, from the higher ups in our company, from the marketing team, from our colleagues, and then not to mention every other piece of that circle of care that we touch with every single interaction. It's a lot. And so being able to remember, okay, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling, I'm feeling this way, or I'm, I'm stressed by this thing, or this is, there's so much on my plate. I love this stop exercise because I think that it gives that mental space for us to really evaluate what's going on and kind of almost from my perspective, organize what's coming at us and then see if really how we're feeling is just a reaction to our environment or if it's something else and helps. I can imagine this would help people be more productive, have better communication, have better communication with their teams um, really powerful stuff. So, um, yeah. when you're is it okay, working- if I add one thing to that, oh, is of that course, right? yes. And another, another book I've recently finished, which is, I think a great read again, a long book, but it's called the four hour work week, which I'm sure many of you have oh. heard about, but what I, one of the yeah. things, and it's not technically a mindfulness activity, but I view it as one, I guess it's not really advertised as a mindfulness activity, but I view it as one is setting a time frame for you talk about digital distraction our emails Mm -hmm. are you know the worst so (laughs) but if you set an out of office on your email as an example and let's just say you want to respond to emails at you know 10 a.m and 3 Mm p.m putting that as your out of office all the time putting that as your out of office i will respond i will be viewing emails and responding responding in such a way at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. and 3 p.m., Monday through Fridays. If this is an absolute emergency, here is my number. Now, mm-hmm. what this does is people are like, well, then everyone's going to start calling me. No. What it allows people to do is, is actually on their end, think through, stop <laughs> and think through, is this an emergency? Do I really need to call them right now? And I would say, let's call it nine times out of 10 people aren't going to call you because it's not an emergency, Mm -hmm. right? And they realize, okay, this isn't a top priority right now. So there's no need for me to call you. And on the off chance that they do call you, then you can handle and discuss what's a priority or if there are conflicting priorities. But I thought that from a workplace perspective, that's what I would view as a mindfulness exercise that Mm -hmm. you can actually implement. um, And if you commit to that, you can then just shut off your email. So you're not getting distracted with these, you know, digital dings and digital beeps of trying to get your attention. Right. That's a, that's a big one. And then even from like a personal perspective within your career, we all have cell phones, right? I put my cell phone on uh, airplane mode during the timeframes that I'm working Mm -hmm. and it doesn't allow people outside of what I'm looking to get done to distract me. Yes. Yes. The constant dings, as I know a ding just came through right then as we were talking about the dings, <laughs> um, perfectly timed, but, yeah. uh, but you're right. I, I noticed for, um, you know, I noticed for myself is that if I can, if I can carve out certain windows when I'm not, when I can really focus on one task and as a, as a, as a mother, as a, as a resume writer, as a career coach, as a, a business owner, that's challenging, but yeah. The first three years of business, I didn't do that. And now I'm getting better about setting my schedule up in those blocks or time blocking or however 
you know, how people, however anyone wants to call it, um, it's incredibly helpful. And I was shocked at how much more I could get done in that, say, 45 minutes than I was getting done because I had been contact switching or trying to do so many different types of tasks at the sure. same time. So powerful yeah. stuff. And I think there's scientific research too, that if you switch between one task to another, no matter how small it might seem, you're just trying to respond to a quick five minute email and then come back to do whatever it is you were doing. I think they said technically it takes 23 minutes to get back to being fully engaged where you were before. So even oh, if the task only takes five minutes, the scientific research behind it is that it takes something like 23 minutes to be back and fully engaged. Wow. So that's, that's a, that's that cost of task switching rather than yeah. what we think is multitasking. Wow. I know. And we, 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 we pride ourselves on multitasking so often and actually <laughs> it's really hurting us in our productivity. Yeah. Okay. So even in uh, job descriptions too, it'll say, you know, ability to multitask. Yes. <laughs> You're like, maybe that's not the place for, maybe, maybe that's not a good thing. <laughs> maybe it's an opportunity though, to go in yeah. and, and, um, you know, kind of share uh, a strategy for how you do productivity, right? Or how exactly. you define it. Oh my gosh, Alicia, I could talk to you for, for days. Like every time we have a <laughs> conversation, I'm thinking, well, we could do another episode on this or that. So <laughs> thank you so much for walking us through so much on mindfulness today. I mean, you guys, we've talked about the five, the find your flashlight exercise, the five, four, three, two, one exercise, the heel to toe step. If you just want to get started and try a little bit of mindfulness and and see how it works for you. And I encourage you, everyone listening, if you have a chance after you've listened to the show, if you try any of the things that Alicia mentioned today, please let us know. You can hit us up in the DM, send us a message. You can send it right to Claire at tractionresume.com. But I want to know and hear from you, do these mindfulness techniques really help you? I know that some of them and similar ones have been monumental in the shift that in, in the benefits that we've, you know, been able to see. So I want to hear from you and how they work from you. Um, so if people want to find out more, Alicia, if they're looking to get uh, a little deeper on this subject, or maybe they're thinking, oh my gosh, please come and coach me and my team come in and share this wisdom with us. Where have you been all my life? Where can they <laughs> find you? Sure. If you go to mindfulcareerpath.com, any of those social media outlets uh, that I'm connected with or the companies connected with are right there. You can email me at Alicia Ramsell at mindfulcareerpath.com as well as um, I live on LinkedIn. So you can <laughs> DM me there. <laughs> One of the things I want to mention is we went through the nine attitudes of, of mindfulness by John Kabat-Zinn, but we didn't get to the last two. So I just wanted to quickly say them out loud, but Please. it's gratitude and generosity. So oh, those how two did we as well. miss those two? Uh, okay. All right. Ne All right. Next, next show. <laughs> next show. In fact, I would love to do a gratitude show with you. Um, that's a, that's a huge uh, tenant of our core business principles and, uh, it's uh, it's magic. Gratitude is, is yeah. truly magic. Yeah. Well, 100%. thank you so much for everything you've shared again. Um, here's to, I guess, round three, when we talk about gratitude <laughs> and generosity and really Alicia, we are so excited by what you're doing out there. It's so important what you're doing out there. And thank you so much for taking the time to share it with us. Hey, it's my pleasure. And anytime I get to talk to you, Claire, it's, it's a good conversation. Oh, I totally agree. Well, thank you everyone for, um, Thank you for joining us today. Alicia, you're a gem. 
Uh, thank you so much for sharing all this wisdom with us. And please take a moment, find out more about Alicia Ramsdale on LinkedIn, go check out her website and get in touch with her. Because if you're not practicing mindfulness yet, as you can see here today, there are a lot of very simple and easy ways that you can get started and incredible, incredible benefits on the other side. So until next time, thank you everybody for listening to today's medical sales leader and Alicia, thanks again for joining us. Thank you till next time. Bye everybody. Bye.